0: New Pine Grove. Grove. New Piney Grove. New Piney Grove. Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where Grove. one of our core values is Christian education. New Let's Piney tune in Grove. to this week's message. The thought for today's message is finish it. For the record, we really don't know how old New Pine Grove Baptist Church is. We don't know when it was founded. Not really. One hundred forty-nine years is our best estimate. But for the past twenty-six years, plus, I have seen this church rise from the ashes of despair into the height. respect. And I cannot take credit for this accomplishment because it wasn't me. Took a unified effort uh, with three chairmen, Johnny B. Smith, Harry Taylor Sr. and Joseph McElroy Jr. to bring us to this point that we are today but ultimately all the glory belongs to God God has been good and as I said some of the things that have happened to this church since I've been here, here right before I came here we I would easily say you have won, won again because he has Amen. but at the present time it seems that we're in the period of timeout. and that's okay In professional sports, timeouts are allowed when competition momentarily stops. But timeouts are limited. You can't remain in timeout for a very long period of time. Even, even in, in child rearing and child training, some of those people that believe that timeout, their children have some effect. I don't think so, but. That can't last forever. Eventually, you got to let him out that corner. (laughs) Some years ago, the University of Georgia football team adopted a motto called Finish the Drill. The idea was started by Coach Mark Rick, who is a strong Christian and not ashamed to speak his faith even on national television. Rick believed that finishing all phase of practice makes the difference between being a good team and a great team on game day. New Pine Grove, a good church. But we need to finish to be a great church. As we look at this passage of scripture, And we're going to break them down bit by bit. There are five things necessary for us to do to finish it. Number one, be a participant and not a spectator. Be a participant and not a spectator. Join me as we look at our scripture Found in Luke fourteen verse twenty five, and I'm going to read just a bit portion of this. Now great multitude went with him. Hold it right there. Let me give you a little history, a little background on this. Jesus had just finished a conversation. He had been on a constant attack by the religious leaders of his day, but every time they were trying to discredit Jesus. His teaching will put them to shame. Jesus, Jesus taught on several controversial areas. One was the Sabbath. What, what, what should we not do on the Sabbath and what we can't do? The other one had to do with pride versus humility. And the last one that he talked about before we get into the part of the text was the requirements to become a member of God's kingdom. Many people, many people witnessed Jesus' wisdom during these debates. And they were so impressed. So when Jesus started his journey on unto Jerusalem, they went with him. Let me read the text again. Now a great multitude, and i stop right there. This means a whole horde of people. It ain't just a few people more than a lot of people, went with him. I want you to notice what the text does not say. The text does not say many people follow Jesus. It says they went with Jesus. Well, is there a difference? You better believe it is. This this word means to travel along, it's to go with. Uh, uh, the Greek verb here implies that these people flocked to Jesus Because he was popular, because what he was doing was popular. Oh, okay. Let let me see if I can break it down. Why do you join churches? Why are you drawn to to certain ministry, or for that matter, any type of entertainment? entertainment? We go normally to what is trending, as they say now, or what is popular. Regardless of whether it's truth or not, as long as it's popular, we're satisfied. We want to follow the crowd. Now, most leaders would have been delighted to have all these people, such a vast number showing interest in him, but Jesus was not looking for people who would accompany him out of popularity. He was looking for those who were willing to follow his example, living devoted and passionate lives for him. Y'all still with me? You know why? Because Jesus knew that his popularity was going to drain. He knew it was going to soon change. The closer he got to the cross, his popularity wasn't going to be popular. The same crowd that said Hosanna also said crucify him. So Jesus challenged those who just went as spectators by setting high standards. And I want the church family, because I want to talk to the church family, and specifically our leaders, in this matter. When you look at this text, where do you fall? Jesus sets them high standard because it was a matter of what was most important. It was a spiritual precedence list. So this leads us to number two. Number one, be participant, not spectator. But number two is have a Jesus-first priority. (laughs) Have a Jesus-first priority. (laughs) And he turned to them and said, If anyone come to me and does not hate his father and his mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. I think it might be necessary for me to explain the difference between a disciple and someone that's just in the multitude. A disciple, the word, is a pupil. It's a student. It's one who sits under someone to learn. It's someone who don't mind coming to faith development. Someone who desires to be in a position where they can hear the word of God and learn more of the word of God. Can I read it again? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother, his wife, his children, his brother, his sister, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, this original Greek word translated hate meant to love less, but this word here is stronger than that. The word conveys an idea or thought of placing higher value and preference of one thing above another. Now, according to the text, if Jesus ain't your top priority, you can't be his disciple. No way, no how you can call yourself whoever you say, but if Jesus ain't your first priority yes, according to the text, you can't be a disciple. God first priority not only applies to mama, daddy, wife, and children, applies to your own life also. This means instead of you living a self-centered life, it's all about me life. And we're good at that in ministry. It's all about me. We must live a Christ-centered life. The problem is some people can't tell the difference. They think because they in ministry that, that, it, that they're doing it for Christ. No, they're doing it because it makes you feel good. You like the pats on the back. You like the Amen. You like that you don't have done a good job. A Jesus first priority implies a consideration of your own personal comfort, your own safety, takes a back seat to glorifying God. So this leads us to number three. Be willing to surrender, sacrifice, and suffer. This is the three. Yes. Look at verse twenty seven. And whosoever do not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. We have a habit of coming to church because we want the church to make us feel good. That's why so many people leave here with the feelings hurt. I didn't get nothing out of church. Didn't like that one today. They sung flat or Whatever. Because you ain't willing to surrender, to sacrifice, and to suffer. Someone said earlier about the word "cutting." That's why a lot of people don't want to come to church because they don't like the word to cut them. In order to be a disciple, we must be ready to surrender all selfishness and self-seeking interests, and be willing to accept whatever sacrifice may come. Read it again, Dave. And whosoever does not bear his cross. The cross is a symbol of suffering. The idea behind this word bear carries, it means to carry a heavy burden for a long period of time. Hear people say something like this. Keep on saying it. It's going to get better. What if it don't? Does that negate Jesus' death on the cross because you don't feel better for a long period of time? We must live a life of total commitment before others as a witness of our allegiance to Jesus Christ no matter what the cause. Can I share something personal? with you before we go to number four? There is such a thing as church hurt. I don't deny that. But a lot of time when you get hurt in one church because it stepped on your toe, you gonna to go to another and they gonna step on your hand, you still gonna get hurt. You just got to bandage yourself up and go on with it. Anybody ever here ever bit their tongue when you eat it? Did you stop eating? (laughs) Someone once say, if God brought you to it, he'll bring you through it. That may not be exactly biblical, but it does make sense. Jesus asked us to bear our cross and to follow him. He told us that we were going to get persecuted. My goodness, we let some people drive us out of the church on something they didn't say, something they didn't look, didn't do. They didn't look at us right. I ain't going back. I ain't going to do nothing. Who are you doing it for? This leaves us to number four, and this is the one I really want to focus on. Number four. We must plan and prepare. Verse 28. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? You see, following Jesus, bearing his cross, means that we have got to plan and prepare. This word count literally means to calculate, compute. If I were give you a, a modern-day vernacular of this word, it would mean crush the numbers. Some of y'all heard that, crush the numbers. It's to determine if the desire of what you want to do going to match the effort of what you want to do. Before a leader begins a ministry project, they must make sure they have the resources to complete the project. What may be a good idea is not always practical. Now, y'all listen to me. You can't pull an eight-horse wagon with two horses. I don't care who they are. You just can't do it. It wasn't designed to do that. Now, I, I, I have a truck, as most of you know. And my truck, I bought it with a, uh, a particular package on it that's gone up pull my boat, because I love the fish. Now, if I wanted to, I could buy a hitch and put it on Ann's little Buick Encore, which is a four-cylinder thing, and I could pull it up to O'Connor, back and forth, eventually, because the powertrain was not designed to pull that 26-foot boat, feet boat out there, that's right, it's going to wear it out. And you wonder why you got church burnout. You're trying to pull something that ain't designed to pull. Jesus gave us this illustration about planning and preparation in a parable of a tower, which was often built in the midst of a vineyard. And they, now, Harry, you probably can relate to this. The vineyard owner would build this tower for security purpose. For security purpose, he could look out when he walked up on that tower. He could see the foxes, which loved the grapes. And he could also see thieves, who also literally loved the money that the grapes would buy. Sometimes these towers are 50 to 60 feet high. And they could be as wide as 20 or 30 feet. But if a person was going to build a structure this large, they wouldn't just go out there and say, hmm, I think I'd build a tower and just go out with a shovel and start digging the foundation. No, they're gonna put some thought in it. And and, and leads, I want you to understand that you need to plan much more than you put the than you do putting this thing or whatever it is into effect. Okay. See a lot of planning is involved in 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 a building construction. You you got to do things like buy land, you got to get some plans, you got to hire some workers. You got to buy milled, building material and furniture. But all this must be done before you can lay the foundation. But there is something else worse than miscalculation, and that is to start something and not being able to complete it. So this leads the to our final one: we must finish. Why? Verse twenty-nine: lest after he has laid the foundation, he is not able to finish. All who see it began to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. This word translated mock means to ridicule. What's interesting about this word is, is the Old Testament rendition, which says to make a fool of. In this context, it implies people laughing because someone don't make a fool of themselves. Person desiring to build a ministry must sit down first and take some calculation. They got to take inventory of what they need and what they have. See you we try to pull sometime before we plan. If you don't have enough to finish it, it's not wise to proceed. It ain't nothing wrong with saying, I can't do this. Otherwise, they start off with a blaze of glory, and then they fizzle out in shame. I don't believe that God will give you a mission. Have you started for it to fizzle out, or you quit? See, the results of fizzling out is that the world and even some Christians are going to ridicule you. They're going to laugh because you began well, but you wasn't able to finish. And that mocking, that ridicule brings shame. But the shame is not only to that particular individual or God's people. It's also shame on Jesus as well. My brothers and sisters, we have laid a good foundation here at New Pine Grove. Now let's finish it. Now I got four things that stops us from finishing. Number one is plain old laziness. I'm going say it over and over and over again. We cannot do lazy ministry. If it's too much for you to get up early and get here at 8.15 on a Sunday morning when you're in a leadership position, just to show an example, and the reason is because you're lazy, you ain't fit for the position. Number two reason that we can't finish is because of competition. Get a new member in and everybody's trying to get that new member on their ministry team and if go to somebody else, we mad. And this is not only just local church, this is churches in general. We want to have more members than the X, Y, Z church, we don't care whether the members are saved or not. There's a long day on the road going straight to hell as long as I got the numbers. Number three is unbelief. We don't believe what it says. Hey, you can't be a disciple unless you're totally committed. We don't believe it. Just flat, don't believe it. And number four is that we just went. We ain't followed We're doing it because it's popular. In my 26 years here, there have been many ministries started that are no longer here. Some of these ministries left because of the providence of God. Others just left and helped with us holding the bag. Some of you guys that have been here a while, you can just think of some of the ministries we had we no longer have. And again, I don't believe God will let you start it, message and have you to stop it. If you went on your own, that's a different thing. But we'll use God as an excuse. God has led me to say this. God has led me to do this. When God word tell you that do everything decent and in order and he ain't the author of confusion. But we want to do it our way, and we do it our way. And then when I get on somebody about it, pastor fuss all the time. Following Jesus means finishing what you start. And you have to challenge yourself, why am I a member of New Party Girls? Let me quit now. The last words our master spoke was, Into your hand I commend my spirit. Some virgins said commit. But he said something just as important before those last words. It is finished. Jesus finished his work. Now we must finish his work. Because he left for his disciples, go ye therefore and make disciples. He didn't go out there and say get disciples. He said make disciples. That means there's a process involved in making disciples. So you can't finish unless you start first. Maybe you haven't even started. Maybe you haven't even went. This words, command, that mean to entrust. Maybe there's someone here who needs to entrust their spirit to God this morning. Nehemiah on the wall was asked to come down. He said, I'm doing a good work. I can't come down. But Nehemiah just didn't stay up there talking with the opposition. Nehemiah called the people together to finish the work. And that's what I'm calling you guys to do today. But you can't finish unless you start. Stand with me now. You can start with this simple prayer. It's called the sentence prayer. This is how it's, you start. Bible tells us, don't put your hands to the plow and then look back. So join with me as we say this prayer. Lord Jesus, I believe in my heart. That you are the Son of God, whom He raised from the dead. I confess that you died for my sin. Please have mercy on me and forgive me and come and live within me this day. Amen. Is there one here today that wants to start? Years ago, when I was trying out for a football team and got cut in the first round, had a debate with another individual who got cut after the football team was formed. And I was trying to put us on the equal plane when he responded with this. There's only one thing worse. Down a person who didn't finish. That was the person who never began. This is your chance right now. Is there one here who wants to begin on the journey with Jesus Christ? Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.